there, I'm Baruven. I'm the co-founder of the CAT669 Alumni Association and the Executive Vice President of Development for the American Friends of Unit 669, aka AFU669. In addition to my unit work, I'm an entrepreneur. I sold my first startup called Mishlochov a few years ago, and I'm now the co-founder and CEO of Dishev. And I'm Dr. Jonathan Pfeffer. I'm an innovation and mentoring expert. I help U.S. and Israeli startups and multinationals design and implement their innovation strategy. I'm a member and judge at Harvard's Innovation Lab and a mentoring supervisor at the CAT669 Alumni Association, among others. Lastly, I also teach innovation management and strategy at Reichman University. Our guest today has a very different and unique point of view regarding the rescue operations of Unit 669, one from above. Lieutenant Colonel Maidan Barr served as a combat helicopter pilot and led many rescue missions with uh, Unit 669, mostly behind enemy lines. Maidan is an El Al Airlines pilot for 17 years and serves as the chairman of the Israeli Airline Pilot Association for the last five years. A few months ago, Maidan also published his first book, Permission to Cross, where he shares his experience as a combat rescue pilot and all the impact that has had on his life. Welcome, Maidan, and thank you for joining us. First, thank you for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure, and a combination, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we want, you know, until now, and I told you uh, before the conversation as well, we interviewed uh, different uh, people uh, that took part in the unit, uh, medical uh, personnel or the, the combat soldier, people who got rescued. And this is uh, the first time we interview someone with a, with a different point of view, and it's an honor for us. So... Um, first of all, and tell us in few words about your experience with, you know, f- flying in, in, in the IDF uh, and, and the work with Unit 669. Uh, okay, first, uh, you know, flying a helicopter is, uh, I think it's, uh, it's kind of a unique experience uh, when you do it uh, in the military or in the Air Force because... Actually, you're not alone. So when you approach my story, I will, uh, let's say, wide up the angle. It's our story mm-hmm. because that's the only platform who contains um, a few people from mm-hmm. different, uh, let's say, professions that that doing the same mission. And most of the time, they don't have any time to prepare. Yeah. So if, if I'm taking you to the book, which opens with uh, Medal of Honor at uh, March 1997, we were... Um, the one with the Golani Brigade in the Litani. Exactly. We're just in the middle of the night uh, with a severe head wound um, soldier in the back on the way from uh, the north border to uh, Haifa. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rambam uh, Hospital Yeah uh, Medical Center And uh, On the way We had another call Which sent us uh, Back there With uh, With some kind of a mission That we were not uh, Let's say Allowed to do At the same time So What we did Is to Regenerate uh, The group To the mission which we haven't been uh, trained for, and we didn't know. And uh, I think that that's a glimpse of the unique of uh, rescue pilot mm. in, in combat zone. Um, the we had, and, uh, exactly, we had a few, I think there were four 
669 unit to a paramedic and a doctor and uh, two rescue uh, soldiers. And uh, we put this uh, wounded soldier in a RIA uh, hospital. Um, and we went back to the base, switched aircrafts, mm-hmm. uh, refueled, and went back. On the way back, you find yourself um, inventing something or some capability for the unknown because yeah. uh, nobody we, trained you for, the, for that yeah we are uh, we were sent to look for a soldier that uh, was lying some somewhere down the Litani River which is a pretty heavy river in March mm. and it was uh, a very let's say severe winter and uh The guys at the back, they were pretty young, uh, like myself. And uh, we actually were asking each other what we are about to face and how we're going to do it. <laughs> and uh, it worked. As, as you see, it worked. And uh, they did it great. And it was new to them. It was new to me. It was new to everyone. But everyone on board had some kind of experience. So... The thing is, you combine the experience yeah, one, and you create the mission. One plus one is uh, three in this case. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's... 300. Exactly. <laughs> and, and that's exactly what happened. And it's not unique for that mission. I think it's a day life in, in a helicopter crew, which contains uh, the pilots, the rescue guys, any other units, uh, paramedics, doctors, and stuff like that. You, you got the Medal of Honor from the Israeli Air Force Commander, right? Exactly. So, so can you just elaborate a little bit more about the solution, the, cre- the creative solution that you came up with? Yeah. If you don't know your specific mission, you don't know exactly the way you're going to do it. So you provide yourself with like a toolbox. Mm-hmm. You said, okay, we're, we're at night, so we're going to use night vision unless yeah. it's too close and we're not be able to see what actually happened. We are preparing that it'll be, uh, let's say, an, uh, an in-water rescue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they were uh, geared up with their... Uh, Diving and... Uh, with their wetsuits, yes. Um, at the end, they didn't need that, but it wasn't... S- nothing that interfered them to, to go on mm-hmm. land. And uh, we had participate some weight and balance... Uh, challenges so mm-hmm. we located the guys at the back in some sides of, of the aircraft so it was a Blackhawk by the way or no it was uh, a Anafa. Bell 212 mm. which in the old days was, it's called Anafa, Anafa. Mm. Uh, which was a little bit weaker and much more sensitive this to weight exactly and balance this is exactly what our uh, previous yeah, um, interview he said, <laughs> interview said. <Yeah. laughs> he said that uh, you're flying in the uh, In, in, a, in an old car that uh, you're afraid any stone can can you know if anyone <laughs> throws a stone at you you might uh yeah drop from the sky a stone in a helicopter can can hurt it <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's it's a new one or uh or in let's say a, an old one because there are so many moving parts in uh in a great rpm so once you interfere mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. uh it doesn't matter if it's a brand new aircraft that that's the That's the complex, but um, I think that 
you understand as, as a helicopter pilot, doesn't matter what your mission is, you cannot do it alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You always have or want or need to speak to someone which is or in your back or in the ground. Otherwise, it won't work. And uh, I think that's, that's one of the, the key elements of, of your unit mm-hmm. that you speak about. Is that something that uh, we know later on you moved uh, in your civilian career to fly uh, civilian aircrafts? Exactly. Is that something that you miss there, like the, the team, the creativity, the unexpected, um, any of that? Or is it something you say, oh, thank God it was just in the army because, <laughs> you know, I don't want that on my shoulders now? Yeah, I think it's a matter of perspective. You know, as long as you are a human being, your team is what you look at. We are a team now. We're mm-hmm. three people. If I would have done it alone, I'll probably be prepared. But now we have a mission. We can yeah. do it great as I think it's going. But, but we're a team. A team is a way of perspective. It's, around, it's, it's the way you look at your assets mm-hmm. which sit in front of you. And it can be your friend, can be your colleague, can be someone you don't know. Mm-hmm. But he is your team whether you want it or not. So if you take advantage of that, you gain. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if you do it the other way around, you lose. Yeah. So, uh, but in the army, there is a team. In a Boeing 777, there is a team. Mm. Sometimes even your passengers are part of your team. Right. That's it. Mm. So what, you know, it's um, the way you describe it. I'm sure everyone's minds now is kind of going towards, you know, you and the helicopter and, and all the, and then in the airline and in the aircraft and, and all that. What prompted you to, or motivated you to write a book about it? I think, you know, that the stories were back then. So uh, there is a point of, on time in, in your life when you want to send, send a message. It's not a book about, uh, you know, like old pilots write books that what I've did and uh, where have I been and stuff like that. No, it's not. The book is, uh, or let's say the atmosphere and the stories about the army are like a kind of, uh, not a background, but, but a kind of a spotlight. Because I do think that uh, it really doesn't matter, or doesn't, and it's less matters what you've done, it's what you're going to do with the experience you mm-hmm. gain. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- that's, I think, one of the... messages that this book is going to send because you know we're in uh, no- the south part of Lebanon for like 20 years mm-hmm. yeah. yeah Israel less. was in Lebanon yeah so, so, so by the way just to sorry to interrupt you but just to give a context to our listeners it's about uh, mostly about your service during the time when we were in Lebanon right yes that's how the book starts mm-hmm. but it ends uh, actually in the corona mm-hmm. okay And there is, a com- there is a linkage because I do think that if we would have, let's say, take our capability as, as, as a society and learn from how we co-op uh, with the reality back then and uh, we'll use those elements and tools and experience now, I think we might gain because, you know, a war doesn't end When a ceasefire goes in mm-hmm. uh, a word uh, let's say a war can end once you learn uh, to use the things you gain 
So yeah. the next war won't happen. Just imagine, you know, over those times, we had, uh, I think it was the first women movement that called uh, the Four Mothers, Arba'i yeah. Maot. Yeah. Right. Um, back in, just to explain, back, back then in Israel, the Four Mothers was a social movement led by four mothers mm-hmm. of soldiers who were serving uh, in Lebanon who uh, demanded that the um, government uh, pull out our troops from Lebanon. Exactly. And uh, it was something pretty unique. And uh, though it was a little bit controversy, to be honest, but for an example, if we would, uh, let's say, fight, you know, in today's modern life, as we fought back then, maybe we would get some somewhere else, maybe somewhere better, because back then it was actually something that we have been forced to do. You know, we sat there for so many years. We've mm-hmm. lost more than 20 soldiers uh, a year. Mm-hmm. And uh, we kept that. And uh, people wanted to serve there. People yeah. wanted to go and people wanted to protect the north border. And uh, and there were like decades and decades of, of young soldiers yeah. like us that, that were there and uh, felt the importance of being there. And I think we should, uh, you know, look back and to, s- to try to recover some of that uh, motivation. To ask if it was mandatory or not. Or... Exactly. So uh, the book is, is about to send the message. And once you, want, once you come to the understanding that your story is not only your story, mm-hmm. you were just there, and you have a message that you want to, uh, to pronounce then you write a book. So um, why, why specifically in COVID? Because of uh, time-wise or because of, uh, you know, the feeling that uh, you had during the, the pandemic uh, that the skies were closed? And <laughs> that, that's a common question, an interesting one. I don't think it's about the time. Um, I think COVID did a lot of things to us. Maybe a few would we do not understand yet fully, but uh, yeah, when you see your country struggles and there is a little mess all around and some unknown stuff like that, it's it's much easier for us to remember or to go back mm. to the military service when everything is a little bit more, let's say, uh, yeah, concentrated and and focused and and you say, hey, you have a prime minister. He's like a year older than, than I am, someone, <laughs> someone that I know. I said, hey, guy, just just go back, you know, 25 years before. Uh, imagine that you are somewhere in Nabatia, mm-hmm. and, then, and then you know how to do it. And, uh, and that's it. I think that was the trigger that triggered me mm-hmm. to write the book. And uh, so once it- you go and, and you start with it, It just goes. Hmm. So I wanted to ask, uh, and it's something that I didn't um, plan to ask, but if you think that uh, Israel uh, played as a team uh, during uh, the pandemic or not, but the answer is probably not. No, I don't think that the answer is yes or no, to be honest, because the next pandemic or the next kind of crisis is on the way. We just yeah. know when it will happen. We will know the answer then, 
then, not now. If we improve, then exactly, it it's hard to play, not only in Israel. It's hard to play as a team uh, when you're not in like a service. It's hard. Yeah. Look at how many parties we have. It's very hard to play as a team because everyone is like you don't have an enemy performing <laughs> exactly, and and that's a good point because once you have an enemy which is like pretty visual. Yeah. You can sense it, you can feel it. Then you can uh join forces and 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 fight it or, you know, deal with it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of I guess enemies brings about uh, both the image of a brave hero fighting, but also fear, um chaos, maybe Some negative emotions, and I know in your book, um, you describe both aspects, right? Both kind of like the bravery, but also the loneliness, the fear. Yeah. Can you elaborate on that, on, and, and maybe even why you chose to have this complex narrative rather than, rather than a very simple, obvious, you know, easy-to-digest hero narrative? Yeah, I think one of the things that this book does, it uh, translates this, let's say... Um, subject or way of living or service to someone that uh, did not know that and I think it is not fully translated unless you involve a hundred percent in, in mm. what you did and who you are and that includes um, much let's say emotions sensibilities and stuff like that because otherwise, It will be like uh, a book of economics <laughs> and uh, and it won't sell and and this book sells now and it's it's a success because a lot of people that that I meet says hey we now understand uh, what it is mm-hmm. uh, not only knowing we, we do understand we I do have empathize. a little bit of feel exactly understand the whole picture not only the mm-hmm. the good parts of it yeah yeah, yeah definitely. You know, I always uh, say, you know, in Instagram, you have the story, but uh, you have the true story behind it. How difficult <laughs> exactly. was it to make the, this beautiful image? So, uh, yeah, you're it. right. And, you know, it's interesting what you're saying, but Instagram, it's, uh, there is no story. That, that's photo finish. Right. right. <laughs> no one knows how much you ran or how much you, you made an effort. Yeah. Instagram is photo finish. Life is no photo finish. Life is everything that's say underneath that or before that. And that's the book. Hmm. Um, I don't know if it's a relevant question, but again, someone can edit it out anyway. <laughs> exactly. Don't hesitate. Uh, Ugat to Lebanon uh, a lot of times um, as a rescue uh, helicopter pilot. Can you tell us why do you think that um, We didn't do more to rescue Rona Rad during uh, this time. Uh, I can only tell you my point of view, and I know it's very sensitive mm-hmm. and it should stay the same. But we have to be very uh, careful and very modest in, in what in what we say in general and especially in, in a question like that. First, I, I do believe that there was a lot that has been done. Uh, a lot and uh, 
you know, as Israelis, we always think or we have this belief that if we make an effort, right. it will, mm-hmm. succ- it will yeah. succeed. <laughs> Sometimes, it, it, Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. And, uh, and that's something that we will have to live with and mm. keep on doing and keep on trying. And, you know, it's a sad thing to say, but during the years, we have a lot of soldiers that they were lost. Yeah. And sometimes after tens of years, we recollect them back. Mm-hmm. And I think it is something that should not uh, be for us. Um, I, th- I think it's a good thing. It's a, it's a strength that, that I, from, I can gain out of it because I, I truly know that Israel will never settle until every soldier will come back one way or another. And it, if it takes decades, it will take decades. And, and that's the thing. That's the most important thing. Every soldier in, in every aspect. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Was there, you know, writing a book, um, was there any parts that were just kind of flowed right out of you with ease while others maybe were more difficult either not just to write but for you yourself to digest before putting on page or putting them into words um most of it because you know that's a life story so most of it was uh fluently written down the book is very easy to read because it divides there are like i think 40 uh very uh pretty small chapters mm-hmm. so uh sometimes you just sit down for an hour or two and something goes out of and you just <laughs> write a chapter and you move on and uh that's one of the signs in writing a book that uh urge you to keep on if it flows and mm-hmm. it did you have to find yourself the time to do it mm-hmm. it's because you need the right mood and uh now you know you're flying the airlines you're flying the army i do reserves in the police oh wow um the so union uh, basically chairman. whenever wherever harm can find you you're there exactly. you're volunteering <laughs> to be there <laughs> uh, in, a, in a way yeah in a way you uh yeah in, in a way you're right but my my perspective in life is uh life is like a supermarket you can go and pick anything you want as long as you get to the shelf but you have to pay for that at the end <laughs> so you can you can just do it and the more you do the more people you know mm-hmm. the more influence you have experience and uh yeah i think life is more about to give than to get Before I let uh, Yoni to ask the last question, um, can you maybe read uh, some, one of the chapters or uh, a, piece. a piece of the book? So first I can say that the book is being translated to English. Mm. Uh, and I hope it will be ready somewhere in the, the coming uh, next year or the end of this year. Let us know when it's ready because... Yes, I will let uh, you know. And uh, I don't have anything... Uh, on me now uh, that I can really 
read from uh, let's say the exact so, words, so from, but from your uh, own, uh, head. yeah, but I think from from the the top of my head, the the book starts uh, describing the that that night, the the Litani River, which mm -hmm. was uh, rushing pretty bad uh, around midnight of March. 1997, the aircraft were descending and to an unknown position, which we thought will never end this descent. Uh, the sweat ran down your the back of your, uh, uh, you know, cockpit seat. And uh, as we're descending, it turned out to be very, very quiet. Everyone was thinking their own thoughts, um, looking around, hearing each other, but hearing nothing from outside. And there was shooting from outside, and um, it was on the border between horrifying and beautiful, <laughs> because you see it in your night vision elements, which is a blur of... Uh, let's say green and yellow. And at the end, we found uh, a small flashlight that marked the wounded soldier, which uh, we didn't know at that time. And then we tried to stop to hover that old aircraft, and it did not stop because it was too heavy. So we went around, and we did it the second time. And it didn't stop, and we did it the third time, and it didn't stop. And I don't know why, but we did it the fourth time, and it stopped just over the limit. And then uh, the door at the back opened. People started talking, and uh, I think that's these are the... Th there is a sentence there that... You know, there is a thin line between being brave and being stupid. Mm -hmm. And the probably a, an honor is a combination of both. <laughs> so when you look at that in a perspective, you said, okay, if I'm going to be brave, let's be brave in a rescue mission from <laughs> Lebanon at night yeah. and not on a, somewhere else. And I think we were all aware of uh, where we're going mm -hmm. and what could uh, come out of it and uh, the risk that we're in it. And uh, we're quite a few. And, uh, and and that's it. That that runs me to the beginning of the conversation. I think that is one of the basics of a team because when you feel you, you have a team... There is a lot you can do mm -hmm. uh, from being alone. Hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to take you a few years after 1997. You just finished your army service. If you were now able to somehow magically speak to your younger self at that point in time, what piece of advice, or not even advice, maybe just a sentence, would you tell your younger self? Um... I think that I would have tell myself as I would have uh, tell any 
other guy or lady, which is my age today, um, go your own way. Because only if you navigate your own way in the plain field of rules, regulation, environment and stuff, only if you keep on uh, being uh, your individual and be uh, only if you do what you think has to be done at the end of it you will succeed you have to work out your mind you have to be uh, let's say uh, independent in a lot of ways because sometimes we do think that we are a very small screw in, in a large box and people have to decide for us and people tell us what to do and if not we will gonna follow regulations but that's good in 99% of the cases. Mm-hmm. This book about this book is about the 100%. Mm-hmm. That's it. Nice. Wow. Thank you. Uh, Maidan, as an officer and, uh, and a team commander in the unit, uh, I know firsthand that we are able to do our important work uh, thanks to pilots uh, that protect us and guide us in the most stressful uh, situations. Uh, your calm voice in the headphones reassure uh, uh, us uh, when we step out of the helicopter in an enemy territory and uh, that we are able to take the risks uh, that involved in the situation. And we know that uh, no matter what, uh, you will watch our back and the way we hope to watch uh, the rescuees back. And I want to thank you for the service and um, for the country and, and the IDF. Congratulations, of and course. Good, good, uh, good luck with the book. And I want to thank the Ariella House uh, Radio Studio in Tel Aviv for hosting us. And thank you, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Our podcast will be uploaded to Spotify, Apple Music, and we will advertise it through the AFU 669 marketing channels. If you want to get our newsletter, the podcast episode, or to get involved, please join our mailing list or write us through our website at www.afu669.org. Thanks again, everyone. Thank you, Meidan. Stay well and looking forward to our next episode. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Thank you.